Hi, I'm Eric Zaunsherb. I am the chair of Critical Elements Lithium, ticker CRE, on the Venture Exchange. And uh, Critical Elements is focused on advancing the ROSE project, one of the most advanced, undeveloped projects in North America. Uh, the ROSE project is High Purity Hard Rock Lithium. Eric, thank you very much for the introduction. Um, we've got a huge amount to talk about today in terms of the valuation of the company and where the, the, um, the lithium market is. But I think before we go there, could you just remind me at what stage the ROSE project is and um, uh, you know, where it is in its development path line? Indeed. Uh, there are very few, few projects in North America, hard rock lithium projects in North America that have in place an IBA, an impact and benefits agreement with the First Nations in the area, and in our case, the Cree, um, that have federal permitting, that have Quebec permitting, uh, both in terms of the EIS as well as the required reclamation program that's in place. Uh, so at this point in time, uh, we are assembling the financial package that will allow us to proceed with a final investment decision. And as I said, I don't think there are too many projects of that stage in North America. So, so, so it's, um, if once you get the finance, you're ready to go, it's your, your build ready and, and you've got all the permitting that you require. Yeah, I don't um, want to say that the financing is the rate determining step. It is not. There are several other things that we need to have in place before we can make a final investment decision, and I can I can detail those for you. Uh, yes, please. I mean, just kind of a um, uh, a quick walk um, through yeah. those those. Um... Certainly. Now, of course, yes, the, having the financing package is in is required to do a final investment decision. Before we make a final investment decision, there are several things that have to occur. One is detailed engineering. So we would like to have detailed engineering in that 60-65% complete area before we turn sod or cut trees. And, uh, and we're, we're getting quite close to that and we'll be there in early in this fall. The other is long lead time items. And so there are several items that take quite a long time to get in place. Um, the longest of which would be the transformer for the substation uh, required for the mine to be built. And uh, for that, you can expect to see us making a, an order for that quite soon. Next, you have the the IBA that I mentioned and the, and the Certificate of Authorization of Quebec and the federal permit all have conditions attached to them, things that need to be in place like dust monitoring and fish monitoring and committees that need to be in place with, with the Indigenous people and with the governments. And so all of that also needs to be in place to get a green light to proceed with a final investment decision. Again, we'd like to have all of that in place this fall. And then thirdly um, is, uh, is having in place uh, the, uh, let's see, I mentioned the, the committees, I mentioned the, the conditions, uh, long lead time items, and the detailed engineering. And so the fourth is, of course, having the financing in place. Yeah, one always forgets that uh, completing a feasibility and then going to f f um, uh, final investment decision, there are these very important key steps that need to be managed in parallel. Um, now, just again, just comes taking a step back, um, what does the project look like in terms of NPV, CapEx and um, output? You know, how much lithium um, are you going to be producing in what kind of product? So kind of a summary of the feasibility study, please, or the highlights. So we published an updated feasibility study last summer, and that feasibility study was for an operation, a, a spodumene concentrate operation producing 225,000 tons per annum of spodumene concentrate 
where about 75% of that goes to chemical conversion for the, the EV industry, and about 25% goes to the glass and ceramics industry. And the glass and ceramics industry requires a very, very high standard in terms of iron content and mica content. And the fact that the Rose project is exceptionally pure that allows one to sell to that glass and ceramics industry. And the advantage is, of course, that you get quite a large premium for that technical grade versus chemical grade for conversion. And so we're, we're looking at, uh, at a very conservative price stack in that feasibility study that generated an 82% after-tax IRR, a $1.9 billion US dollar um, NPV 8%. So a very robust project. Um, there's a pretty punchy numbers. And the, the, um, one of the things I always look at is the ratio of CapEx to NPV. It's, it's, it's a very crude measure, but um, you want to, uh, in an ideal world, have your NPV um, a, a multiple of your, of your, uh, your, your capital. And uh, could you just kind of talk me through that ratio and, your, and the, 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 the CapEx um, requirements? As I mentioned, the NPV 8% after tax is 1.9 billion US. And the CapEx estimate from last summer was 357 US. So you can see quite a, an attractive multiple there. Yeah, yeah. Good. That's about three and a half times or a bit more. Um, <clears throat> um, good. Um, thank you. That, that, that helps frame the, the conversation because um, essentially what you've got is you've got a high-grade, high-value project. And um, the whole resources sector has been under enormous pressure for the last three years, more or less. So about three years ago was the kind of the peak of the kind of most recent cycle. And since then, there's been a lot of loss in value. Um, the one sector that has performed um, particularly well during that time has been the lithium sector. But um, it's also slightly caught in a bit of a downdraft at the moment. And um, you're feeling that, aren't you? I mean, you, um, it, it the, the, the share price has come under pressure in the last um, six months. Is that right? Correct. I mean, year to date, we're down about 18%. Um, okay. So you're down about 18%. Um, can we, can, um, to kind of put that in um, in context, what, what's your sense of the lithium market? What are the kind of the demand drivers? Where do you see the, um, the physical uh, and the contract side of the lithium market at the moment? Yeah, I think, first of all, I'd emphasize there is no single lithium market. It's a, as a specialty chemical, we, we see production of lithium, of spodumene concentrate, matched with conversion capacity, which is matched with in product with end user, and just to, to, to have it quite simply put. And so it's very important to, to realize there isn't just one lithium market. And so people who tend to put it all in one basket and miss the fact that there's a huge variation in quality of product as well. So for, as I mentioned earlier, that 25% of our product goes to the glass and ceramics industry for something that often is about a 100% premium. If you look at the overall lithium market, we see some observers thinking that, that demand will not exceed supply. And so they're looking for a, a supply um, abundance over the next couple of years. But what they're not taking into account is, are we talking battery quality lithium units? Are we talking about the highest quality that goes into the highest quality batteries? 
we've seen in the last while a lot of destocking in the part of especially on the Chinese side of quite low quality lithium units that go into the market and that has been driving down the average price um, if you look at the benchline lithium uh, index is uh, benchmarks lithium index is down about 45 percent year to date and that takes into account a lot of the the lower quality material that's been pushed back into the market um, we also for some reason the market the equity market tends to ignore the seasonality that one has in 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 this lithium space in other words we see a lot of ev buying going into the year end as people try and anticipate the end or potential extension of subsidies and so we see this big ev uh, push at the end of the year and then that naturally trails off in january february march and that's when a lot of end users start talking down the price oh look at this the uh, the ev uptake has decreased and therefore you know lithium is going to collapse and and all this sort of stuff and we do see a drop in in prices at that time but the reality is look at ev sales over the last while year over year continue to be astounding continue being very very strong i'd suggest to you that, that that's a very healthy market that, that that we will see as we're going towards the end of the year but if the if the the what we see is the spot price which is the um the, the kind of the concentrate um, benchmark price. Um, how does that affect your contract pricing? Um, will there be an element of the the prices that you uh, agree with your um, ultimate end user for your offtake agreement? Because as you said, you've got to kind of match those contracts. Uh, will they be on long term contracts, or will they be um, ratcheted to a kind of a floating or a, a, a spot element to your price deck? That's an extremely important question, and, and it, it taps into a bigger question of our the financing package that we are working on. Um, we've been working on that package for a few months now. The, the fact that it takes longer is very disappointing to the market, hence some of our, our performance in the share price in, in, in the equity markets. The reality is if we wanted to go out next week and get an offtake agreement, we could do so in isolation. And that offtake agreement would be based on a... Um, a less than attractive offtake agreement and pricing mechanism. What we have maintained from the beginning is that we want to have a comprehensive package. So when we come to the equity markets and say, okay, we've got it. We now have a comprehensive package that addresses offtake, debt, equity, everything is in place. There's nothing further beyond this news release that should concern you about financing this project into production. As I mentioned, we could get an offtake agreement next week, but then in isolation, the pricing mechanism might not be satisfactory to the debt provider. And the debt provider goes, oh, oh, I'm sorry, that's not a great offtake agreement. We're not, we can't give you less than a 10% to, uh, a rate on our debt. We're going to have to be something like 18, 19%. And that kind of debt is available next week as well from private equity. If we wanted to, we could get an 18, 19% debt package, and that would be fatal from a capital structured perspective. So we much rather have everyone sitting at the table at the same time, having a pricing mechanism that is agreed to be by all the partners, be it offtake, equity, or debt. Everything is understood, and there are no surprises. So as we see the price of, of carbonate, coming off and hydroxide coming off and spodumene concentrate coming off. Does it affect us? Uh, no, because your, your, your pricing mechanism is something that's going to be 
reset on a regular basis. It's not something that we're going to give a fixed price today for the life of the mine. That would be foolish. It is going to be driven by the market and the market and the, the, the realized price we get will reflect the market. And so, yes, it might be weak today, but I certainly don't expect that in two years from now, in 26, as we're ramping up to commercial levels, that the price in 2026 will be anything close to what it is today. When it comes to your offtake partners, you, you've, you've got 25% of your product, um, but it's probably closer to um, uh, half of your, um, it, it'll, it'll have a high impact. If that's, if, if that's trading at a significant premium, um, it'll probably be kind of two fifths of your, of your revenue. It's kind of linked to the glass and ceramics. And then three-fifths of your revenue will probably come from um, the, uh, the the EV market. Do you have a number of off-take partners who you have to speak to individually, kind of one by one, you speak to one and they speak to another and speak to another? Or is there, is, is, are you able to kind of get people around the, the table and say, look, we need to resolve this financing? Um, do, you, do you kind of, do you drive it with a kind of say, look, I want to have this much through debt and this much through off-take? And do you take it from them? Um, how, how, do you, how do you steer that process? Well, I think we've said from the very beginning that we're looking at roughly 50-50 debt equity. Um, as the share price comes off, equity is less appealing and you would tilt that more towards debt. But at the same time as you do that, then you slide the, 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 the cost of that debt as well, right? As you get a higher debt component, they, they would like to charge more for it. So you're, you're, you're constantly finding the balance between those different components. Um, as to the number of, of uh, off-takers required, we'll see as, negotiates, as negotiations come to their conclusion. Understood. That's, that's, that's obviously private and um, kind of uh, strategic corporate information that you've got to keep, keep um, um, away from the market. Um, understood. Um, let's just take a step back and let's look at the equity market and what you're seeing relative to your peers in terms of um, you know, how the equity market is looking at a whole at lithium companies at the moment. Do you, do you feel that this is a, a downturn? Do you feel this is a kind of a short-term hiccup? Is it just you or are your peers also suffering? It really is fascinating. I mean, the, the first thing I'd like to say is how terribly I feel for those shareholders, particularly on the retail side that have opted to sell over the last few weeks and if have taken losses potentially, it's it, it's tragic. The reality is internally, we're very excited about where things are going and, and, and it's difficult, it's frustrating not being able to talk about things that as you just said momentarily uh, about how private negotiations go on and strategic things, it's not something we can do in the public domain. Coming back to your comment, one of the things that I've done as an analyst over three decades is look at, um, I should say former analyst, take the boy out of the, out of Bay street, but not the analyst out of the boy. But anyway, is to look at enterprise value per ton, ton, uh, lithium carbonate equivalent. And so I've tracked that for many years, looking at it for two P in other words, proven and probable reserves, measured and indicated resources and global resources. And, and what is the market paying on average for those things? And we've seen that number come off quite dramatically. So, you know, two P reserves at the beginning of the year are, have come off 14%. 
and the resource is off by about 11%. That's the average for exploration and development companies that, that we're following. Now, what I find really interesting is the derivative of that. In other words, the ratio of you look at reserves to resources. So naturally, you'd think reserves are more valuable than resources. And so we should see a premium of the valuation for reserves over resources. And in, and in fact, that premium has averaged over the last few years 38%. So in other words, the market pays 38% more for reserves than it does for M plus I resources. But what starts to happen, and we see this across different commodities, not just lithium, but also gold and other, other metals, is that that premium collapses in a downturn. Why? The reason is that can actually go to a discount is that a company that is a developer that has reserves and is looking for money in a bad market with a capital strike is penalized for that relative to its less advanced resource companies. So right now we've seen that collapse. I'm looking at my table right now from over 40% even in May to 9% right now, 4% a couple of weeks ago. So there's a real capital strike that's going on right now. I, I, I really like that analysis. And I wonder also if there's not an element um, that for a smaller company, um, which isn't at a, a kind of such an advanced level of analysis. So, so for you, the game changing amount of capital is the finance package, which is uh, $350 million thereabouts. I mean, yes, you've got some balance sheet already, but you know it, it's a big ticket item. Whereas for a, for a smaller company in a capital strike, $5 million can be enough for a transformational drill program. So the, the, the quantum of money um, required um, is also uh, uh, very different. And that comes to speaks to the, the Lausanne curve, right? So in the Lausanne curve, the early years, you've got the exploration enthusiasm, the speculation surrounding that, and valuations that may be a little bit overbaked. And so when you start seeing feasibility studies and permitting and all that, that's when the, the curve turns down and you enter what's called the orphan period uh, as you assemble financing packages. So it's a completely different uh, situation between those two types of companies. And we've seen exactly that. When you look at the world-class discovery, for example, that Patriot has put together. And so consequently, like you said, you put some money into exploration, you make a new discovery, there's a speculation associated with that. It's fantastic. Good for that company. But that's not a peer to what we're doing. We are at that stage where we're, as you said, we're, we're putting together a large financing package and the market is impatient to see that happen. So you, you're looking at a very different uh, environment, investment environment. And it's also, um, I, I'm also an ex-analyst, so forgive me for my enthusiasm in this particular subject. Um, <clears throat> but the... the um, the, the other element of it is that when that discount is, uh, or when that premium is squashed so that the advanced company is trading uh, on the same basis as its exploration or um, early resource peers, what that means is that um, institutions and companies can come in and can buy a much more advanced um, uh, project at the same price that an earlier stage project was. And you could basically save... Uh, many years of work and a lot of pain, a lot of heartache. Um, but I guess that's not a huge amount of um, 
um, solace to you when your share price is under pressure. I mean, you, you know that the value is there, but it, it doesn't it, it doesn't get reflected in them day to day. Indeed, we have to do a better job communicating our value. We have to do a better job communicating the exploration potential on our project. After all, we've got one of the largest exploration uh, property packages in Quebec, and we are going to be ramping up the pace of exploration there. And so that adds a bit of spice that perhaps the market is is hungering for. In the meantime, we have to communicate our value. And, and to that you know, effect, I've, I've had a lot of people commenting and questioning and saying, look, you know, with the lithium price off, that must mean that there, there are less or fewer parties interested in this project. And the answer to that is absolutely categorically false. The reality is that the yeah. intensity of interest from potential buyers or, or partners or investors has increased. There is an interest in what we're doing. After all, those people that are looking for product in 2025, 2026, they're thinking ahead and they know or have a, a handle on what the market is then. They want the lithium units that we can produce desperately. And there's a huge yep. change in the conversations that I had, for example, in, in Las Vegas at the Benchmark Conference, the annual conference, there's a huge shift in what kind of conversations were going on. So for example, uh, two years ago or, or a year ago, I guess now a bit over a year, there was a huge um, gap between, let's say, the way North American and European automobile manufacturers were looking at things versus those from Japan. Those from Japan were quite content with getting their batteries from China and weren't particularly interested in what we were doing. This year, the Japanese producers are fully aware that North American and European markets will lock them out to a large extent if they don't have material produced in those jurisdictions, that getting simply getting yep. everything from China yep. isn't going to be acceptable. It's going to be less and less acceptable. And so we can see more and more OEMs actually entering into the space desperate for lithium units two or three years down the road. It's interesting. It's kind of the, the, the slight breakdown of the of the idea of um, globalization. Um, it's a, a supply chain provenance, uh, understanding the jurisdictional risk where, where your asset is, your underlying asset. Um, <clears throat> Now, you, you mentioned kind of communications with the market. In June, you put out a, a, a kind of a strategic, uh, no, you put out an open letter to shareholders, which was kind of describing very much uh, these um, these themes that we've been talking about. Uh, and in there, you said that you needed to communicate more. Here you are communicating again, which is good. Tick. Um, the, um, what, I, what was the response from that? What did the institutions, what, what, what did you get feedback? You obviously got feedback beforehand kind of stimulated the, the letter. What was the response from the market once you had published it? It varied. Um, I would say the majority was, was very positive in any communication is a good thing. Um, there were others that felt that it was overly long. They didn't want the detail. They wanted a paragraph of punchiness. Um, but those are also people that would like to have the big answer, i.e., who, are, who is your partner who is going to be funding this and tell me next week uh, rather than waiting for a few months to get an, a, a, the right deal. So it, it depended on the individual 
Um, but I'd say the majority was was very positive. Okay, well, and and in that, very much kind of with a view to kind of uh, the, the next few months, in in your letter, you said the two things that the company can do to to cut through the trend, the two major things within your control are exploration and uh, delivery of that finance package. Um, can you just let's just can you just kind of in very brief terms summarize what we can expect over the next uh, four months, the remaining four months of this year in terms of delivery of the exploration targets that you've been looking at this summer? Right. Well, as I outlined earlier, we have a number of arcs, a number of things that need to be delivered, uh, things related to the IBA and permitting uh, that need to be in place before making a final investment decision. And, and the goal is to have that done this fall. Um, two is long lead time items. And we, we hope to be announcing shortly that some of these long lead time items have been ordered. Third is on the detailed engineering that is progressing beautifully under our fantastic team under Eve Panel, um, who has a track record of delivering in in this environment um, under budget and ahead of ahead of schedule, and so those three things need to be done. Those are, are important catalysts from our perspective. Another important catalyst and probably the biggest one that everyone's waiting for is a financing package um, that will come along in due course. Uh, with a goal to then having a final investment decision again, if possible, um, in this fall. And then next is the other half of that is exploration. Um, exploration has been held back a little bit over the last few weeks with the massive and tragic fires that have occurred in Quebec um, that have prevented us from getting on site. Um, once we have uh, the, the five helicopter-borne teams um, completing their task, and that is to look at, at um, an artificial intelligence or machine learning, develop targets, ground truth them, and come up with drill targets. Then, then with the next step would be to conduct some uh, some drill exploration there. We have exploration to conduct further at Lamar, which is our our second discovery, as well as exploration to extend the life of of the Rose project. All three of those things are are very valuable outcomes potentially from an exploration perspective and could potentially contribute dramatically to the value of the company. I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize the fires were still going in Quebec. I, I, I thought it was something from June and July. I didn't realize it was still a problem. It, it's, it's not that it's a problem. It's, it's now diminished greatly. They've gotten it largely under control. Um, but one has to be sensitive to what's happening in the communities, road access and things like that as well. Well, um, Eric, thank you very much for the for the um the the roundup the update it's very good to speak to you again so um fingers crossed for exploration um activity this 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 fall um you certainly sound as if you you should be able to get some of the rigs um into site in due course um uh, do you have a plan to when you say talking about extending a drill um at, at rose do you have a plan to drill a certain amount of meters there um or and also at lamar you in your previous um correspondence you've spoken about putting a resource figure on that is there a combined drill budget for roads and lamar this this year we've not announced that yet but um, that'll be a news release that you can expect to formalize what the exploration program will look like for the next six to 12 months okay good and then of course the big news would be um the completion of those steps towards fid the the the, the four the four that we spoke about including the finance package but hopefully this year um, I'm very hopeful it'll be this year, more likely this fall. 
Great. Um, well, Eric, thank you very much. Um, good to speak to you and uh, good luck with the program this fall. Thank you, Merlin. Always a pleasure.